0: Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Droszemski.
1: Hello and welcome one and all to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff. It's good to be sitting here behind the microphone at the Catholic Cafe in the luxurious corner booth and to be joined with Tom Dorian. Hi, Hello, Tom. Deacon Jeff. It <laughs> is good to be here. It's always great to be here at the Catholic Cafe. It is. I know. Hey, have you noticed? Good food, good company. We, well, and you know what else we have today? Who's that? Lots of water. Not who. Oh, what? yeah. Water. That's right. You're right. We, you're we right. Have, we're serving water today, so we're not drinking coffee or sodas. You're we're so drinking good with water. You're so the theme thing. That's right. I, I, like to, I like to have the same theme that we're going yeah. ready to cover uh, in our eating I wonder habits. if anybody's guessed it by now. Well, hopefully, baptism, hopefully that they'll know. <laughs> Without me telling them that it's baptism. Excellent. And we're going to talk about the Catholic understanding of the sacrament of baptism. It's a lot different than other faiths out there, isn't it? That's right. A lot of faith traditions see baptism in a totally different way. And what we thought would be a great thing to do was to bring in somebody not who is of that faith tradition but was formally part of that faith tradition. Right. And so we have Mr. Andy McNutt. Andy, how you doing? I am doing great. Great to be here. Well, Andy, you know, you've been on our show before, uh, and you came out of the Southern Baptist tradition. In fact, you were a minister in the Southern Baptist tradition, right? That's right. Yeah. And so, obviously, baptism would be an important part of your faith belief, your teachings.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. The, the way that we treat baptism kind of set us apart from other Protestant groups and especially from the Catholic Church.
1: And I have to make sure that everyone understands that uh, that you've con- converted to the Catholic Church now, so you are you are a Catholic. But I thought maybe it would be great to bring you in here because you would give us that perspective of perhaps other faith traditions and what they view about baptism. Sure. Well, maybe before we start, I do want to get this idea across, this understanding of baptism as a sacrament and what a sacrament is. What I like to do when I'm talking about sacraments is read a little bit of scripture. Read from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 9. Uh, this starts at verse 5. Jesus is saying, uh, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As he said this, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and anointed the man's eyes with the clay, saying to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back, seeing Now, this is a a wonderful little miracle story where Jesus is healing a blind man. And what I like to tell folks is that, you know, Jesus, because he's God, could have very easily just had the thought that the man would be healed Mm -hmm. and the man would be healed. But instead, as part of his mission here on earth, he's doing something by taking physical earthly things and using them as instruments, as, as tools for his grace. And so he, he basically spits in the ground, makes clay, and rubs it in the man's eyes. Basically, that's a sacrament. That's how that works. He's taking some matter, which is, in this case, um, his spittle and, and the dirt, the clay, mm-hmm. right? And then he's taking the proper form, which would be his words, his healing words. Putting those things together, you have a sacrament, Right, and so that's a beautiful, beautiful way to understand that uh, we use sacraments in our church to to be instruments of God's grace, and that God intended this because Jesus established all those sacraments. Now, Andy, in the in the Baptist tradition, the Southern Baptist Church, do you have any sacraments? Would you under have a sacramental understanding of baptism or any other thing that we would call a sacrament?
0: No, we we. By their nature, uh, Protestants reject sacraments. But we did have, uh, as Southern Baptists, we had two ordinances we call ordinances. One of those was baptism, and the other was communion, Lord's Supper.
1: Now, an ordinance in that sense, though, is really a law or a uh, you're told to do this, so you do this kind of a thing.
0: Right. They were both observances.
1: Maybe what we want to do is go down through the uh, uh, list here and talk about what baptism means to the Southern Baptist and what baptism means to the Catholic. And let's start right off the bat with this concept that baptism is merely an ordinance versus something that is uh, efficacious, something that does something. In in the Catholic Church, we talk about it being regenerative, right, that it heals us, that it cleanses mm-hmm. us of, of original sin. Right. What did you understand baptism to be uh, as, a, as a Southern Baptist minister?
0: Uh, we would have taught that baptism is a symbolic first act of your Christianity. That once you had uh, made a profession of faith and asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, that you would then make a decision to then be baptized publicly and profess your, your faith. And baptism being a sign of the faith that you already possessed.
1: Yeah, and I think maybe the way to uh, to show this in a way that people might understand is I've got a wedding ring on my finger because I'm married. Mm -hmm. And if I were to take that wedding ring off of my finger and I were to lose it, it doesn't mean I would lose my wife. It's only a symbol of my marriage. It just shows other people that I'm married. And so I guess a Southern Baptist would believe that your baptism doesn't really do anything, right? It just shows that you agree or that you have faith in Christ.
0: Right, and and many congregations would even use that as a sign of the membership in that congregation. Uh, If you were baptized in another congregation, you need to be baptized again in this congregation to to profess publicly your faith.
1: So I guess every time you got married, you'd have to have a different ring. Is that the way that works? If you were carrying that illustration, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But we don't want to get married multiple times, obviously, right? Correct. (laughs) Well, so let's look at this idea from the Catholic perspective. And where we get that, especially in Scripture, I want to run through some Scriptures real quick here. And those Scriptures are going to tell us that baptism truly is regenerative; that it, that we are born anew; that we are that that it does something to us; it's efficacious. And we'll start in uh, John chapter three. Jesus answered him, "Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God." Nicodemus said to him, "How can a man be born when he is old?" Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water in the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Those are Jesus's words, not mine, right? He right. wants you to be born of water in the spirit. And we understand that to be baptism. But there's many others. I'll run through them here. Titus chapter three, verses five through seven. He saved us not because of deeds done by us in righteousness, but in virtue of his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration. That's baptism, and renewal in the Holy Spirit, which he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that we might be justified by his grace and become heirs in hope and eternal life. And of course, in Acts chapter 2, verses 38 through 41, and Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And of course, at the end of that, in verse 41, he says, So those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's a big baptism.
2: That is. Uh,
1: St. Paul, also in Acts uh, chapter 22, exhorts his listeners, And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, and wash away your sins, calling on his name. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and in the Spirit of our God. Uh, Romans chapter 6 verse 4, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. And of course, 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21, Baptism which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a clear conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I like to ask Protestants, and maybe I'll ask a former Protestant here, how can you hear these eight verses and not think that baptism does something that God intended? I mean, all of these things connect water and the Spirit, just as we do in the in the Catholic understanding of baptism.
0: Well, like many uh, doctrines... It's going to depend a lot on who is doing the teaching. For me, when I was in university and in seminary, I had professors that would interpret these scriptures a particular way. Some of the scriptures we really didn't go over. Uh, I covered that Titus passage uh, when I did a translation of the book. I did uh, the Romans passage when I did a translation of the book. I even used that Romans 6 passage when I baptized people. That's part Hmm. of it, part of the baptismal formula that we used. We would take them under the water and say we were buried with Christ in baptism and we are raised to walk in newness of life and, and that was part of our baptism but i was never looking at that as something efficacious this is something where where they are spiritually being made new in that act of baptism that i believe that is something that happened before they were baptized at least that's the way i taught then.
1: Right, and that would come from uh, faith in Christ. Absolutely. That that faith is what transformed you. It had nothing to do with the, the regenerative uh, aspect of the water. The, right. That the, the water and the formulary would have anything to do with it. Really, that was just basically a show of your faith, right? Sure. By the way, those church bells are beautiful, aren't they? The they church are. right across like the street em. from the cafe uh, is getting ready to have mass, and so, uh, uh, so we'll remember those folks, and hopefully they'll remember us in, the, in their prayers and in their, in their mass. But there is a definitely a, um, uh, a history in our church with our early church fathers and their teachings on baptism where they truly taught and believed that baptism did something. Right. And this is way back. Here's, let's, here's one from uh, St. Justin Martyr, uh, and this is uh, from 151 A.D. He says, Whoever are convinced and believe that what they are taught and told by us is the truth. And profess to be able to live accordingly are instructed to pray and to beseech God in fasting for the remission of their former sins while we pray and fast with them. Then they are led by us to a place where there is water. And they are reborn in the same kind of birth in which we ourselves were reborn. In the name of God the Lord and Father of all and of our Savior Jesus Christ and of the Holy Spirit they receive The washing of water for Christ said, unless you be reborn, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. And there are so many others. For instance, St. Augustine of Hippo says, baptism washes away all, absolutely all our sins, whether of deed, word or thought, whether sins original or added, whether knowingly or unknowingly contracted. So this has always been a teaching of the Catholic Church Mm -hmm. that not only are you made members of the body of Christ – Right, that you are initiated into this relationship with Jesus Christ, with God the Father, through the the gift of the Holy Spirit. But original sin is all washed away; all sins you've committed yourself are all washed away in that baptism. Right, which is a beautiful thing. And obviously, they had nothing like this in your Southern Baptist tradition, did they?
0: No, but it's. it's I'm glad that you mentioned it because it was such a critical part of my own conversion. In in not just in coming to the Catholic Church, but just in my own faith life, because as I study baptism, matter of fact, my senior report uh, in my undergraduate was on this topic of the effects of baptism, because I was wrestling with this topic. Mm -hmm. And I read St. Irenaeus, and I read St. Polycarp, and St. Augustine, and I read all these fathers, Justin Martyr, and they were all saying baptism does something. And the conclusion of my paper was yeah, all these early Christians, they did believe this and teach this, but. In roundabout way, I was saying I know better, but as I studied it, mm-hmm. I was discovering they were that, mistaken. Obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
2: what <laughs> do they know? First-century Christians, what do they know? About
0: <laughs> but but I, I began to see that that there was an effect that there was a what what I would say would, would be an ontological change, a change of being that was happening as a result of baptism. It wasn't just here's your membership card or here's uh, we're glad that you're in this congregation, but something just happened to this person that was baptized.
2: Huh.
1: Wonderful. Well, we have much more to talk about here in terms of baptism. We have some other comparisons we want to make to the the Protestant understanding of baptism and the Roman Catholic understanding of a baptism. We'll do that when we come back. First, I want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. We'd love you to go there and visit, find out more about the Catholic Cafe. Also, I want you to email me. Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, we're going to go wash up, and we'll come back right after
2: this. I'm Bess and this is another great moment in church history. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. On October 15, 2006, Pope Benedict XVI canonized Rafael Guizar Valencia as a Catholic saint. He was a man who took Christ's command quite literally to go and make disciples of all nations. St. Rafael was born to devout Christian parents in the Diocese of Zamora, Mexico in 1878. He lost his mother at the tender age of nine. As a young boy, St. Raphael was schooled by Jesuit priests and decided he too would become a priest. In 1896, he entered the Minor Seminary and in 1901 was ordained a priest. As a priest, St. Raphael devoted much of his time to missionary work throughout all Mexico. He preached, baptized, and brought the faithful closer to the Blessed Mother. In 1911, when the church in Mexico was under severe persecution, he started a Catholic newspaper to counteract the government's attempts to undermine the church and the faith of the everyday Mexican. St. Rafael became a target of the Mexican revolutionary forces because of his outspoken defense of the faith. The persecution of the church by the Mexican government became so severe that St. Rafael had to disguise himself as a traveling salesman, a musician, and a doctor. All of these ruses allowed him to continue to minister to the people and administer the sacraments. Mexico continued to be hostile to the work of the Catholic priests, and St. Rafael finally had to leave. He continued to travel throughout the United States and Central America, bringing the faith to the lost sheep of Christ. He became so well known as a missionary priest that he was invited to Cuba. There he became Bishop of Veracruz, Mexico. As a newly elected bishop, he was concerned with the future of the church and the education of future priests. He had taken possession of an old seminary and had renovated it, but the Mexican government seized it. St. Raphael moved the seminary to Mexico City and it operated secretly for fifteen years. Pope Benedict said this of Saint Raphael at his mass of canonization. His charity, lived to heroic degree, earned him the name Bishop of the Poor. I'm Best Rzemsky, and this has been another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome
1: back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, and we're still talking about baptism. The Catholic understanding of baptism versus the Southern Baptist tradition. We have Andy McNutt here. Andy, you doing all right? Doing great. Need some more water? No, I'm good. Well, that's a good thing about <laughs> Catholic baptism. Once you're baptized, that's it. it does, it's not a repeatable sacrament.
0: No repeat uh, no repeat customers for baptism. Th-
1: that's exactly right. So uh, even people that convert to the Catholic faith.
0: You just took the words out of my mouth. That's that's the case, isn't it?
1: That's exactly right. So if they use the proper formula, the mm-hmm. Trinitarian formula, and mm-hmm. they use water,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and they intend what the church intends for baptism. They're done. Then it's a done deal. Right. So we don't re-baptize in the Catholic Church. Now, uh, I do want to read from the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Uh, paragraph 1213 really does a great job of summing up. What baptism is to the Catholic church. Holy baptism is the basis of the whole Christian life, the gateway to life and the spirit and the door, which gives access to the other sacraments through baptism. We are freed from sin and reborn as sons of God. We become members of Christ are incorporated into the church and made sharers in her mission baptism is the sacrament of regeneration through water in the word and again that's paragraph 1213 in the catechism of the catholic church and of course that says it all right right and so now from the southern baptist tradition you didn't have that perspective obviously
0: no not at all
1: it's one of the reasons why we call this sacrament one of the sacraments of initiation Mm -hmm. that we are initiated in our relationship with Uh, with God. I love how the the catechism says it's the door which gives access to the other sacraments. Right. Before you have any of the other sacraments, we have seven sacraments in the Catholic Church. You've got to have number one first before the other six can even come into play. Mm -hmm. Now, this concept of regenerative baptism from a Catholic perspective then says, Well, this sounds important. We don't want to ignore this. If God is going to give us this great, wonderful gift of grace, this sanctifying grace of baptism. We don't want to ignore this. We don't want to choose not to do this. In fact, the church teaches that it's necessary for salvation, and has always taught that baptism is necessary. Right. You mentioned earlier that this was an ordinance mm-hmm. in the Southern Baptist tradition. Explain what an ordinance is and why that's different than something that's necessary.
0: Well, uh, for for Baptist, for Southern Baptists, I'll speak for them. The, the ordinances are they can only find two commands. Of Christ, things that they were told to do, and they said that Lord's Supper and baptism—you get the baptism from the Great Commission, you get the Lord's Supper from the Upper Room—and those are things that Jesus told them to do, told the disciples, the apostles to do. And so they are to be observed; they are to be done because Jesus said, "Do them." But also, as Southern Baptists, there is a total rejection of sacramental anything. Uh, matter does not convey grace. You get all the grace you need when you pray and receive Christ into your heart.
1: Now, even if you hear that, that passage from uh, John chapter 9 where Jesus is using uh, this spittle and clay to heal a man so that he can now see. Right. And we see that uh, Jesus being the light of the world and, and through baptism we now see God clearly. Mm-hmm. They don't see that connection between uh, things of the earth that are used to convey God's grace.
0: No, they wouldn't see that. Not in that sense. They would see it as a miracle of Jesus, and certainly Jesus can do whatever he wants.
1: And I guess they figure they would be able to ask Jesus why he spat on the ground and used, uh, made little mud pies to put in the man's eyes. They could ask him when they died, when they we went to sure. meet him. Sure. All right, well, I guess fair enough. We speak in great respect. Uh, I don't want to make light of, uh, of another man or woman's faith, mm-hmm. but uh, we, we need to talk about these differences so that we kind of understand where we're coming from. So right. obviously... The Southern Baptists would, would teach that baptism was not necessary for salvation.
0: No, it's important, but not necessary.
1: What that means is it doesn't have any effect. It doesn't do anything. So if you didn't get baptized, it doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. Right. Now, there's another issue that we want to talk about that's that's a, a, a fundamental difference, uh, pun intended, mm-hmm. uh, between Southern Baptists and Catholics. Mm-hmm. And and that would be the, the, the idea of infant baptism, baptizing the little babies. Right. Uh, We in the Catholic Church have been baptizing babies since the beginning of the Mm -hmm. church. There are writings about this uh, all through early church history. In fact, you don't really ever hear anyone saying, don't uh, baptize infants. We don't hear that. Mm -hmm. Um, What are the thoughts about infant baptism? Why wouldn't you baptize an infant, say, in the Southern Baptist tradition?
0: Well, as a Southern Baptist, I wouldn't have baptized an infant because it would have been my belief that uh, that infant is incapable of making the decision for Christ. And if you're incapable of making a decision for Christ, it's, it's moot to be baptized.
1: What would be the Southern Baptist perspective of a Catholic baptizing that infant?
0: How did I look at that? I, I guess I looked at it. Well, they don't know what they're doing. It's, it's, a, nice, it's a nice ceremony, uh, kind of equivalent to what we would have done as dedicating a child.
1: Now, I've been to a dedication before, yeah. and, and mm-hmm. you're saying we're going to do everything we can to raise our child in this faith and put that child forward in the faith so that when they become old enough— Right? When they become of the age of reason, mm-hmm. then they can profess faith in Christ. Right. Is that basically what's going on? Sure.
0: As a matter of fact, you, it's interesting. I've noticed this now looking back in, in my years as, as a pastor, that in the Protestant world, there are so many of these kinds of ceremonies that they certainly wouldn't call them sacraments. There's so many different groups, not just Southern Baptists, but they do these, and they look so similar to what we have in the sacraments, yet they're they're not there. And you wonder, well, what is it in in their hearts or in their minds that is making them feel the need to do that? If they don't believe in the sacrament, why are they doing
1: it? Now, the church has always taught, uh, believed in infant baptism. Many of the early church fathers would write and say things like uh, St. Hippolytus of Rome in 215 A.D. said, Baptize first the children. And if they can speak for themselves, let them do so. Otherwise, let their parents or other relatives speak for them. Right. And this is an important point because if someone were to say, well, where in Scripture do you find infant baptism? It appears that Scripture is silent on that issue. However, I think if you look, you'll find instances that logically make us think of infant baptism. For instance... This whole concept of baptizing an entire household. Mm -hmm. He and his entire household were baptized. St. Paul saying, I baptized the household of Stephanus. And you have to believe that in that household, there were children. Right. I mean, they didn't say we baptized just the adults, knowing, of course, that the children would grow up in the faith and they would be baptized at their appointed time. I mean, that's not what's in Scripture, obviously. Catholics see it as an effective sacrament,
0: whereas the, the Southern Baptists don't. And because of that, they they choose to uh, do it the way they do it.
1: That's exactly right. Yeah. I would say that uh, uh, it's not just my thought that baptism it seems to make sense that there would be um, – uh, there, there are many church fathers that agree on this point and, mm-hmm. and think that that it makes perfect sense to baptize, uh, baptize infants. You know, another connection we can make, and St. Paul makes this for us, um, we understand that uh, circumcision, right, was prescribed for – Eight-day-old males, mm-hmm. and this was a sign of the old covenant, right? That was definitely your the, the sign of the covenant, circumcision, right? All right, you're you're in the family of God at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Saint Paul, uh, uh, yeah, of course, in Jesus was circumcised as well. Mm-hmm. We we read about that, uh, of course, in um, in Luke uh, chapter two. But Saint Paul talks to the Colossians about he makes a connection between circumcision. In baptism, he says in uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh in the circumcision of Christ, and you were buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So St. Paul's talking about this circumcision without hands. He's mm-hmm. connecting circumcision and uh baptism and saying that baptism is the new sign of the new covenant, right and of course, if you circumcised eight day old males, does it not make sense that you would you would baptize eight day old children
0: mm-hmm.
1: so we have there we have a, a, an image of infant baptism, which is an important one to see, so we really appreciate this opportunity, Andy McNutt, former Southern Baptist preacher. Uh, we, we appreciate you being here with us. Anytime. Uh, and sharing uh, this important information about your view of baptism from a Southern Baptist perspective. And now your view of baptism from a Catholic perspective. Any any closing words on baptism in terms of uh, how you view baptism?
0: Well, my, my view has totally changed. And I would encourage anybody that's studying this topic to to read early church history. Look at what the first century Christians were doing, what they believed. And look at the the churches that continue to teach that. You're going to find that the Catholic Church has, has that historical line of str- of teaching. It hasn't changed. And it, it's different than any new or novel thought that you're going to find in the more modern churches that have cropped up.
1: Wiser words were never spoken, Tom. I agree. Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father. Through your eternal love and mercy, you wash us clean by the saving powers of baptism. Send us your saving spirit. Help us to live out our baptismal promises so that we may bring ourselves and those we encounter into a closer relationship with you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe.
0: If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff...